Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils is a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. Duke football all of a sudden finds themselves bowl eligible with another big game coming up this weekend. But today we're going to be talking about Duke men's basketball as they get set for game two of the season. And my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic is going to be here with us on today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Underdog.com with the promo code locked on and get on your first deposit doubled up to $100. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Make sure that you're following and subscribing to our podcast for free wherever you get them. Also, be sure to watch the show each and every day on YouTube. Your support means the absolute world to us. Without further ado, let's bring in my good buddy, Brendan Marks of The Athletic is here with us. And, Brendan, we have finally made it. Here we are in the life of college basketball season. Thanks for being back with me. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for having me. What a time of year it is. We saw Duke get their season started on Monday with that win against Jacksonville. Uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but you've been covering this program for many years now at this point. There was kind of this final culmination, so to speak, that John Shire walked out as the head coach for a game that matters, and now it's kind of like, okay, this is normal. Of course, after Mike Krzyzewski holds that post for 42 years, you're bound to be kind of confused by everything that's transpiring. It's felt like it's gone on forever because we knew an entire full season beforehand that this would take place. Uh, but getting to be the, you know, looking at what took place in that game on Monday, what was it like to finally see John Shire step into that post? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he said it pretty well himself, but even for knowing that this was something that was going to happen a year and a half ago, it was still weird. I mean, it was still a little bit strange. Like, you know, you're used to seeing, you know, Mickey Krzyzewski up in her, you know, traditional seat in the aisle in the second level of the stands, and you're used to seeing, you know, uh, the assistant coaches sort of really on their P's and Q's. I mean, I was even used to, you know, the way that Coach K would stand for the national anthem, you know, and the way, you know, with his sort of military background. So, you know, you look at all that and then you compare it to like, okay, here comes John Shire and like the assistants are acting a little differently. They are laughing on the bench, you know, they are having a good time. You know, he is, uh, he's got his wife and his parents behind the bench, sort of like, you know, like they would be at a middle school dance recital, like just <laughs> absolutely beaming. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think we've known this was coming for a long time, but until you actually see it in the flesh, like, actually doing it is different and it certainly was different, but um, you know, I was happy for John happy that the way the night went. Um, I, I think he did a really good job, you know, given the circumstances of everything you could tell that he, and I think his players were nervous for the first couple of minutes. Um, but then once things really got underway, he snapped right back into it and, and Duke basketball was off into a new era. It's just one game. It'll probably take a little bit more, but again, just like you said, the, the end game things as well, right? Like, uh, towards the back half of his career, Coach K was its just well-known. He was going to sit down for the majority of the game and do his coaching and that sort of thing from a more comfortable position. 
and just seeing how much John Shire gets up and walks back and forth and engaging with the officials like Coach K was known for and that sort of thing. Those in-game things are going to be interesting to kind of learn in the next few games as well. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously, you know, there's, there's also the tactical element of it. Um, you know, there's looking at some of the plays and sets that he wanted to run. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, how similar is Duke going to look under John Shire? And obviously we didn't know until we you know, finally got to see them a little bit. And, right. and, I, and I don't think we can have a full grasp after one, yeah. one game. Uh, but, you know, to me, there were basically two options. It was either going to be a Mike Krzyzewski playbook with some John Shire tweaks, or it was going to be a John Shire playbook with some Mike Krzyzewski tendencies. And I think it's the latter. You know, I think there are much more, um, you know, they're still going to run horns. They're still going to run a lot of their conventional sets. But, you know, this is a guy who really values diversity of thought in basketball. Um, there's a reason he brought in Jay Lucas and it's not just because Jay Lucas is a great recruiter. It's because Jay Lucas is a really promising young basketball coach. And he wanted to have somebody who could come in from outside of the family and go, Hey, look, I know you might've done it this way for X number of years, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't evaluate and see if that's the best way. You know, he's someone who gets a lot of influence from European basketball. Um, you know, Monty Williams, Chris Finch, Steve Kerr, you know, positionless versatility. Those are all things that are really important to him. And so I think that you're going to continue to see his rosters and the tactics that they execute sort of reflect those, you know, inclinations that we saw in the first game. Second game of the season for Duke coming up tonight. They're back at home inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, taking on South Carolina Upstate, uh, specifically on the offensive end of the floor, defensively as well. Did you walk away with Mark Mitchell being the player you were most impressed with on Monday night, or was it somebody else, Brendan? He, he's certainly up there. Um, and, you know, I think he's a really fascinating story because coming into the season, he obviously was, was probably the least heralded of all of the five-star recruits that Shire was bringing in. Um, and, and actually, in talking to some people around the league who, you know, obviously Duke is on their radar in terms of draft prospects well, well over a year in advance, um, Mark Mitchell was the guy that not everyone was sold on. Uh, and I think, you know, there, there was this idea that he had this tremendous lack of skill and it was going to take time for that lack of skill um, to, to sort of catch up to the college game. And what we saw is that that is just wrong. Uh, <laughs> what we saw is that if you are six foot eight with a seven plus foot wingspan and you're a crazy athlete and you're a locked in defender and you have a relentless motor, you can still make things happen. Um, so yeah, certainly he was incredibly impressive. The other guy that I would put in that conversation um, is Ryan Young. And listen, I, I knew that Ryan Young was going to be a player. I knew that he was going to be somebody who, you know, I don't think he's going to start once Derek Lively is back healthy, which, you know, hopefully is uh, this week, if not next week against Kansas. But Ryan Young's going to play. I mean, he's got grown man moves. Uh, yeah. He is basically a lock to score one-on-one -on -one in the post. Defensively, he doesn't offer you a ton. He's going to get lost in space a little bit. But in terms of organization, communication, uh, defensively, at least hitting his rotations that he's supposed to, and then offensively, you know what you're getting, like, that is a valuable, valuable player. So I, I was really impressed with the two of them, probably more than anybody. But, um, you know, all, all across the board, it was a pretty encouraging debut. 71-44, the final score as Duke defeats Jacksonville to open up the season. Let's look ahead and talk about some more individual performances after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Lockdown Blue Devils listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year 
and you won't want to miss it. It's so incredible, you've got to make this a part of your home. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I would recommend. Get 50% off the new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is the biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic. So we look back at Monday night. Again, Duke the victory, 71-44 against Jacksonville. Uh, we talked a little bit about Mark Mitchell. We talked about Ryan Young on the inside. Ryan Young didn't miss a single shot from the floor. Uh, 12 points in his Duke debut, which is pretty special. Uh, Jeremy Roach up to his usual business, 16 points, all of them in the first half. But what about some of those secondary guards, Brendan, that we saw from Duke? When you factor in Tyrese Proctor, Jacob Grandison, Jalen Blakes, looking impressive. Kind of talk about that secondary guard unit there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, in terms of who's probably the most impressive in the opener, it, it was Jalen Blakes. Um, and I think that, you know, last year he was obviously not a part of the rotation, was very much a developmental guy, um, is going to be a multi-year player at Duke. I, I mean, he already is, but yeah. we'll, we'll continue to be. Um, but if you had told me last year, that Jalen Blakes was capable of making two threes and impacting a game in a positive way, the first game of John Shire's debut, I would have laughed in your face. Right. Um, because this is a guy who just looks completely different from last year. Um, in terms of his body, you know, you can see, especially in his upper body, he's refined his frame. He's stronger. He's more cut. Uh, you could see him get to the rim a little bit more easily because of that. He's not afraid to go into traffic. That That is sort of his offensive go-to right now. Um, the fact that he was a guy who was not just open for some of those corner threes. And, and again, that's a set that Shire incorporated that I really like that. I think we're going to see a lot of from Duke this year that resulted in Blake's getting his first corner three. Uh, but, but that is something that was not in his bag at all a year ago. I mean, his shot looked a lot like mine uh, and it is much, much better than mine now. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to play a role this year. I think he's going to come in. He's a ball handler. He's a defensive pit bull. Um, he's going to make things happen. He's going to play with effort. Like that's a guy who sparks energy and especially in a game, maybe, you know, at some point later on in the season, if Duke comes out lethargic, that's the kind of guy you need to sort of snap you out of a funk. Um, as far as the other two, Tyrese Proctor, I think I struggled a little bit, um, you know, obviously was, was not having some of those easy layups fall that traditionally will for him. Uh, don't panic. He's going to be fine. Uh, he's, you know, I, I picked him to be ACC newcomer of the year this year for good reason. I think you saw, you know, he had a couple of different times, his wiggle, his burst, his passing instincts. I, I just think they're really all top, top class. And, um, you know, I know it's not all bad for him. He still had the the opening assist of the John Shire era. So not not all bad for Tyrese. <laughs> and then for Jacob Grandison, yeah, he's one of those guys who I think is going to give you whatever you need. You know, if it is three-point shooting on any given night, you know, posting him up in the corners is great. Um, I thought he was a really effective screener, especially for his size the other night, which is something that, being a veteran player, having having played in the Big Ten, having to deal with some more physical, you know, guards and wings, he's used to that. So 
Uh, I think that's going to be valuable for Duke moving forward. You know, there are going to be games where he has five points. There are going to be games probably where he has 25 points. Um, I think he's one of those, you know, he, he's going to be in contention to be sort of that ACC six man of the year. But, you know, by and large, I think you saw what you wanted to see from that group, especially knowing that when Derek Whitehead eventually comes back, all of those guys are sort of going to be pushed down the totem pole of peg. And um, then their roles will align even a, a little bit better with where they're at. Yeah, something really important just to remember is that Derek Lively II and Derek Whitehead weren't out there on the floor for Duke. And so you've still got these two major pieces with what you want to be this season that you've got to incorporate at some point in the year. And Duke will certainly get to that. So uh, a little bit of the offensive end there for all of these guys, but more specifically on the defense, Brendan, Jacksonville only scored 44 points in a 40-minute college basketball game. What was it about Duke's defense in particular uh, that made it so difficult for the Dolphins to get going? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the thing that impressed me the most was the cohesion for a team that has 11 new guys and seven freshmen. Like, that's the sort of team that usually needs a couple of weeks to get its defense in shape. Yeah, um, that's that's especially with a new head coach, too, at the same time, like. You know, I think back to last year at the start of uh, North Carolina season, and you know, I, I compare them because it's a similar situation: new, new staff, you know, new players. North Carolina's defense was a train wreck for the first two and a half months of the year, if not longer. Um, so the fact that Duke came out so organized on that end, I think, really speaks to how much of a priority that was for John Shire in the off season. He said the whole course of the summer defense is going to be our bread and butter that's what we're going to have to sort of lean on um especially because this is not a team let's you know let's be honest this is not a team that has a Paolo Bancaro there is not a go-to guy you know I think there's a lot of versatility there's a lot of depth um but there isn't that slam dunk superstar per chance so uh, I thought the defense was really impressive in that category again going back to the way that he has built this roster it's so versatile and it's versatile to the point where they can switch everything they want to. They can change the way they play different, you know, uh, ball screen coverages. You know, they don't necessarily have to just play drop coverage. They can hedge, they ice on the side. Like there are different things that they can do. And so that's only possible when you've got guys like a Mark Mitchell, especially, you know, he's going to be a linchpin for them defensively because no, no joke. He can defend point guards and centers. Mm -hmm. It's, it's freaky what he can do. Uh, and him being able to slide seamlessly on the perimeter is just going to really open up the things that Duke wants to do as a team defensively. And um, yeah, I was probably more impressed on that side of the ball than I was offensively, if I'm being honest. Really impressive stuff from Duke and their opening victory of the season, 71-44 against Jacksonville. Now you got to move forward. Now you've got ja South Carolina Upstate coming into town a little bit later tonight. And then you've got, of course, the looming matchup in the Champions Classic on Tuesday when Duke gets set to take on Kansas. So we'll talk about that after our final break here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. This is absolutely the easiest place to spice up college football season. While you're watching our favorite team play well, you want to make sure that you're competing in Underdog Fantasy as well. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team. It doesn't have to just be on Duke football and decide if they will finish higher or lower. For example, as we get set for this weekend's football games for Duke, will Riley Leonard have higher or lower than 150 passing yards? You make those decisions on Underdog Fantasy. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in one single game. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Get $100? 
or deposit $100 and get 100 bucks free to go along with it. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store. That's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Moving forward, final few moments here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson, alongside my buddy Brendan Marks of the Athletic. Basketball season is back. It is important, as we do multiple times throughout the year, to remind folks, Brendan, that you are also uh, an excellent reporter for North Carolina Tar Heels basketball in addition to Duke, uh, but at The Athletic, folks can read your coverage. Tell us a little bit about your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the plug. Uh, every, you know, I, all my stuff is over at theathletic.com. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but I think that we've got the best comprehensive sports writing staff in the country. Um, any sport you want, any league you want, any team you want, we've got stuff on all of it. Um, you know, our college basketball staff is the biggest in the country. Uh, you've got dedicated coverage on Duke every day. You've got national perspectives. And um, especially, you know, I'm excited uh, next week, you know, Champions Class, is a, it's a big day for Duke. It's a big day for yours truly. Got a big story coming out that day. So uh, definitely check it out if you haven't already. Consider it, and uh, I'll try and make it worth your while. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait to read that then. All right, so Champions Classic is exactly what I want to talk about. Duke and Kansas, big stage. We're used to – Uh, in years past, having this game be the very first Tuesday of the year to get us going. Uh, It happened to be Election Day on Tuesday this year. Kind of had to move some things around. Uh, And so we'll have the Champions Classic this coming Tuesday. Uh, Duke having played two games going into the matchup. And we're assuming uh, that Duke's going to be able to take care of business against South Carolina Upstate a little bit later tonight. So going into uh, a game like Kansas, what, what stands out with this matchup in particular for Duke? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting is this is not the team that won the national championship in April. You know, this is a very different roster. You had multiple guys leave. David McCormick, gone. Christian Brown, gone. Ojai Abaji, gone. Um, and, and while Jalen Wilson is back, you know, he, he is sort of the lone, you know, proven quantity uh, who, who is coming back for Kansas. He's the guy who is going to be at the top of Duke's scouting report. But, you know, there are other guys there. Grady Dick's a great player. Ernest Duda had a really, really nice debut. The thing that I'm most interested for on on Duke's side of things is looking at the continued offensive evolution of the team, Um, especially assuming that Derek Lively is going to be back for that game. You know, I think that defensively, obviously, his rim protection is going to help. We saw that against Jacksonville. Uh, That that is not an area that necessarily was Kyle Filipowski or Ryan Young's strength right out of the gate. Uh, He's going to be able to provide that. But offensively, what does this team look like when you do have, you know, another another big and another caliber of his recruit, you know, coming into the situation. Um, You know, I think you're now looking at a situation where, okay, Lively is probably going to start. And when he does, what does that do to the rest of the rotation? It means that, okay, maybe Ryan Young and Kyle Filipowski are are not starting, or maybe only one of them is starting. Um, You know, I I don't anticipate that Derek Whitehead is going to be back for the Kansas game, unfortunately. Uh, So maybe it's a situation where you have Lively and Filipowski and Mitchell and you just have an absolutely gigantic sort of perimeter and front court. That's very possible. Um, But offensively, that's what I want to see. How do you incorporate Derek Lively? Can you get Tyrese Proctor going a little bit more? Uh, Jeremy Roach hit four threes against Jacksonville. I I do not know if that's sustainable. And if it's not, where's your three-point production coming from? So, um, you know, Mark Mitchell hit a couple and – I mean, his shot almost looks like a soccer throwing, but it went in. Uh, I don't know that that is also replicable. So, you know, I'm looking to see against a a team of obviously much more comparable caliber. 
what what is Duke's true offensive you know capacity at this point? And they're not going to be at full strength until they've had Derek and Derek back for a couple of weeks. But we'll get a taste of it against Kansas. And this is really the I don't want to say it's the last big important game before they head to Portland. And, you know, that one is where we're really going to learn a lot about Duke. But um, this is certainly going to be the biggest test for John Shire thus far. Yeah, outside shooting is so interesting because, you know, every time you're watching a Duke basketball game, it's well known and documented as the broadcast is moving along. When that first three-pointer goes in, the a millionth game in a row that Duke basketball has made a three-point shot. And, wow, they're setting records every single game in college basketball. But when you look at what they were able to do in the first game of the season, you mentioned the four threes from Roach. Mark Mitchell had a couple. Jalen Blakes, like we said, had a couple of three-point makes. Is that something that can be duplicated night to night to night? And then Filipowski was the other player that had a a double, two three-point makes there. So 10 total for Duke. Where is the outside shooting coming from? Will kind of be a big question. Yeah, that's that's sort of, you know, that's one of my biggest questions about, you know, where, what, what Duke's ceiling eventually looks like is because I, I don't believe that that's sustainable from Mark Mitchell and Jalen Blakes. Kyle Filipowski, yes. Jacob Grandison, yes. When Derek Whitehead is back, yes. Tyrese Proctor is going to be better than he was. Jeremy Rhodes will hit a couple of threes. Um, but none of those guys is a, like a marksman, a true marksman. And uh, maybe one of them can be. You know, Jacob Grandison is from the corners. That's, you know, he was brought in to be that guy. But you need more than one person who's capable of doing that. Um, the, the guy to me who, who really sort of swings that situation in this regard is Jeremy Roach because he played an outstanding floor game against Jacksonville. He was everything John Shire needed him to be. Um, and if he's able to continue hitting threes at that rate, suddenly it changes the way that defenses have to look at Duke's offense. Um, because that was not Jeremy Roach a year ago. You know, he was a, a driver. He was a finisher inside. He was a disher. If he can also be a competent, I'm not saying he's got to hit 45% of his threes, but, you know, if he can hit 36, 37, 38% of them and teams have to really start respecting him a little bit more, um, that's going to open up driving lanes. It's going to open up cutting lanes. Um, I, I just think it's going to do a lot to help Duke's offense in the long run if he's able to replicate that production. Can't wait to see what it looks like again Tuesday night. Duke gets set to take on Kansas. We mentioned Derek Lively likely on his way back for Duke basketball, which is great. Uh, Derek Whitehead on the other end still uh, looks like we're a little bit away uh, from his season debut. And, Brendan, it's interesting. You go back to the initial foot fracture, uh, the timeline that you hear and that you see in place and uh, just being positive like we always are, it's like, okay, no preseason, no exhibition action for him. That's six to eight weeks. Look, that, that lines up perfectly with the start of the year. All of a sudden here we are in the year and we're still waiting for Derek Whitehead. So at this point, what truly is the best case, kind of what's going on uh, in Derek Whitehead's world right now? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's anything like nefarious going on. Uh, I think it's, you know, a similar situation that you've seen play out the past couple of years. You know, sure. AJ a. Griffin played in the opener last year. Um, did he make a difference? No. Did he make a difference until December? No. You know, I think he played like two minutes against Gonzaga. Right. Uh, so, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, he missed what, six, eight games at the start of his freshman year. Like it, it turned out okay for Duke and for him. No doubt. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those situations where, you know, he is finally being cleared to play through contact. And that's the biggest issue is when you have a guy who has the future that he has, who has the trajectory that he has individually, you have to protect that investment. You know, if you are the team, you don't want to do anything that's going to be detrimental to him. 
And also, if you're him, you have to protect your future. You have to almost protect him from himself a little bit because I'm sure he wants to be out there. Um, being on the sidelines is really hard and really not fun, especially when you're somebody who's as good as he is and uh, who's going to have the role that he is. So, I, you know, I, I think that we're probably talking about, you know, I, I would not expect him, like I said, to play in, in either of these next two games. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about really Portland. PK, I think, is, you know, a reasonable timeline to expect him to be coming back. To be expecting him to be a 30-minute-per-game guy at that point, I don't think is reasonable or fair. Um, that's something that's going to take some time. So, you know, but he is finally being cleared for contact again. That's the biggest thing. That's sort of the next step in his progression. Once he's cleared for contact and he, you know, sort of proves himself in that capacity, then it gets to becoming a conditioning thing, making sure that you're not tossing a guy out there to the wolves, feeding into the fire. Yeah. Um, but he is certainly progressing, maybe not as quickly as Duke fans would like, but when you understand, you know, the sort of 10,000 foot view of the situation, I can understand why things have ultimately gone this way. And, and look, it's, and let's be honest, six to eight weeks was, you know, an unofficial timetable. Sure. It was also an ambitious one. It was an optimistic one. Um, you know, when I, I had a similar injury in my foot uh, when I was in college, it took my foot eight weeks and I, I certainly was not a high level athlete. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's something that's different for everybody. And listen, he's going to be back when the games matter most. And I actually think that's going to be one of the exciting things is that with him out, guys who maybe would not have had the role with him in there have, have gotten yeah. more minutes and more time. You know, I don't know that Jalen Blakes gets as much time. I don't know that Jaden Shoot gets in the game. Um, so, so there are benefits. There are silver linings to take from it as well. Fun stuff, and we'll see how Derek Whitehead continues to move along and how Duke basketball uh, continues to go throughout the rest of the season. And, Brendan, the best part about all of this is that we've got many more visits with you throughout the year. Uh, so very much greatly appreciate your time each and every time you stop by Lockdown Blue Devils. Thanks for being here today, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, and, uh, yeah, we'll have a lot more to talk about the rest of the season. Perfect. That's our good pal Brendan Marks of The Athletic. Make sure you're checking out his work and the rest of The Athletic crew. They've got amazing coverage all across sports, and in particular, Brendan's work of covering Duke basketball. What a fun show it's been. What a fun week it's been here with Locked On Blue Devils. Duke football going for their seventh win of the season tomorrow. Best of luck to that Duke squad, and we'll see what uh, – Duke men's hoops looks like a little bit later tonight when they get set to take on South Carolina upstate. As always, we'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.